We, we understand that uh, hardly anyone is forced to go to church and you make a choice as to where you go and worship and you made a choice today uh, to be with us. There's one back here in the back that has chose not to want to be here. Uh, I can't understand that. But uh, it's great to have you if you're a guest. We'd love to know who you are. Uh, hopefully someone uh, met you and, and uh, welcomed you to our church. But it, there's some cards that are in the, the seat backs there. If you would just fill one of those out. Uh, and you can leave it laying in your seat on your way out or you, if you take it to the Welcome Center they'll give you a little gift back there uh, but we basically just want to know who you are uh, because i tell you what I'm real bad about I'm real bad about going and shaking a guest hand telling them my name listening to their name walking away and going now what was their name again you know and so it just helps us because our pastor has issues and so it would help us to know uh, who you are I'm excited to be here today um, I missed you guys. Well, holy cow. <laughs> you are family and you will never know what it means for family to uh, walk with you through tough stuff. And our family is blessed. I mentioned uh, Daniel earlier, and, and I appreciate him filling in. Uh, well, good grief. <laughs> We're blessed to have the staff that we have. They've... Uh, they've been a blessing to me. And I know they've been a blessing to you because uh, they've been doing everything that I haven't done since the first of the year. But man, it's, it's good to be back, uh, be with you. Planned on starting this series about two weeks ago. God's plans are different than our plans. Um, but uh, I, I appreciate your patience and your love, the calls, the phone, you know, the messages, the texts, the cards. The, just the way you show love means more than you will ever know. Uh, when some, some of you that have experienced uh, death and, and, you know, bad things, tough situations, you know that, that every encouraging word matters. And so thank you uh, for that. Uh, we're so blessed. But uh, this morning I'm going to preach uh, out of Genesis chapter 2. So I hope you can find that. I'm trying to make it easy on you today as you... Uh, make the adjustment from Daniel's preaching back to mine. It's kind of like going from like super accelerated ADHD to a little more milder case of ADHD when we uh, uh, go back and forth in the pulpit. Uh, some of you might be interested to know, I, I preached last time I, I was able to be with you guys was on New Year's Eve. And we talked about resolutions. We talked about priorities and kind of what it meant going into a new year. Uh, some of you will be interested to know that one of my New Year's resolutions was to actually scale back the amount of time that I spend preaching, that I would shorten my sermon some for 2018, and everybody I would have thought would have said, dilly dilly, but... <laughs> 
you know, I won't be surprised if my first Sunday back I don't break that resolution that I, that I made a couple weeks ago, but maybe not. Uh, but I'm excited to start this series today that we're calling The Other Six Days. And I think just the title of that, just looking at that, is convicting. Uh, I believe that, that just thinking about and talking about the other six days of the week, uh, God would speak to us through even the, this title. This is a series that I've been thinking about and I've been studying for for uh, several months now. Uh, but I believe that this series could take some of us, some of you, to places in our journey, uh, places in our journey with Jesus that we never imagined going before. Uh, as we look at this and the big idea or the theme that we're going to be focusing on as we go through this series is, is basically this you know we tend to squeeze God into the time that we spend at church uh, we tend to squeeze God into you know an hour or, or two uh, of our lives on Sunday but the problem with that is that God doesn't want to just rule a couple hours of your life a week okay that, that's not what he wants. That's not what he desires. He looks at creation and he basically says, all of it is mine. All of the time is mine. All the resources are mine. All of these human beings are mine. It's all mine. And so I don't believe God wants us to just give him two hours a week. And, and so that's what we're going to be talking about. God wants to be ruler of our lives. Listen, every single day, every single day, not just Sunday, but the other six days as well. The Apostle Paul would say it like this over in the New Testament. He said, even when we eat and we drink, we should do it all for the glory of God. Right? And so we're going to be asking uh, the, the question, what does it mean for Jesus to be Lord of our lives the other six days? Because we've got Sunday down pretty good. I mean, you're here, right? And so uh, you know what, what this is all about. And, and, and the reason kind of what got me to thinking along these lines, and I don't think it's coincidental, uh, that most of the parables that Jesus tells in the New Testament, the stories, you know, Jesus was, was the greatest storyteller that probably you will ever hear of any preacher that ever preached. And so the majority of the stories that you read that he told in Scripture, these parables that he told, these stories took place outside a church setting. Most of them were related to their everyday lives. You know, what they did for occupations or, or they, the, the setting was in a workplace context. He didn't, he didn't tell a lot of stories about people in church. And so, you know, he told stories about people in their normal, everyday lives because that's where the lordship of Jesus is seen in the world, all right? The lordship of Jesus is seen in your life, not on Sunday, but in the other six days, okay? And, and so we're going to be taking a look at some subjects over these next few weeks uh, that consume us outside of our life here at church. And some of those things we don't, are not optional, Right? I mean, we don't have a choice. Uh, and so I, I think it'll be fun. Uh, but most importantly, I pray that it will be eye-opening. I pray that it will be uh, life-changing for some of us as we go through this series over the next few weeks. It's my prayer that at the end of this series that you'll better understand how Jesus wants to be your Lord, not just on Sundays but in the other six days uh, of your week. And so today our first message is going to be talk, uh, focused on uh, this weekend, next week, probably. It's going to be more focused on our lives at work, okay? 
Now, I realize that not all of you work. All right, I, I get that. Uh, if you, some, for some of you younger ones, this could be applied to school. Okay, so don't tune me out, young people, when I say we're talking about work because everything that we're going to be talking about here today can be applied to, to school uh, as well. And it can be applied to college. Uh, if you're a stay-at-home mom, uh, you know, we know that that is one of the busiest jobs in the whole wide world. And, and so, you know, this definitely applies to what you do. Uh, maybe you're here and you're retired today. You know, I often talk to retired people all the time that say they work more after they retired than they did before, you know, before. Uh, they're, because their they're kids and their grandkids and, they, you know, got... You know, you go to the doctor every day, right, when you're retired. And so, you know, you're busy, 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 and you got all this stuff going on. And so I believe that every single one of us can apply what God is going to speak to us about how we live the other six days and how we look at uh, the other six days. Because here's the deal. Most Christians think about serving God as something that they just do at church, Okay. And I think the church is kind of guilty. I think it's kind of our fault because we kind of promote that, you know, because, you know, we encourage that. We need people to serve in the church so that we can minister to everyone, right? So we need people to volunteer. We need uh, people to volunteer in the nursery. You know, a lot of people think that serving in church is, you know, sacrificing and going to Sunday school class or joining a small group or signing up for a Bible study. And don't get me wrong, these are all very important things when it comes to your journey with Jesus and journeying with other people as we follow Jesus. These are all very important things, but sometimes I believe maybe as followers of Jesus and as Christians, we think that being a committed Christian is all about what we do at church, but I don't believe that it's any accident at all that when you read through the book of Acts, there were 40 different miracles that took place in the book of Acts. 39 of those 40 occurred outside a church setting. I don't think it's any accident. I think that it is absolutely apparent all throughout Scripture that God is more concerned with displaying his power out there in the world than he is inside this building, right? I believe that's where people see God's glory and that's where people see God's power is when the church goes out and bees the church, the church, bees the church the other six days. <clears throat> but believe it or not, the Bible actually has a lot to say about our work outside these walls outside this this building and I think it's interesting here in Genesis chapter 2 that the Hebrew word that is used here in Genesis for work is also the, the the same root word as the word worship I just think that's interesting that the word work and the word worship basically come from the same Hebrew word and so what I want to do uh, this week and next week is look at some ways that we worship God while we work the other six days, okay? And so the first thing I believe we should understand is this. If work equals worship and worship equals work, then our work fulfills God's purposes on this earth, okay? Don't, don't miss this. The work we do the other six days fulfills God's purpose in creation, uh, it does. Now, I, I don't really have a main focus verse today, but I wanted you to see something. 
here in Genesis chapter 2 that kind of jumped out to me that I thought was really interesting as we start looking at this. But in Genesis 2, look at verse 15, verse 2. This is the NIV translation. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. Why? To work it and to take care of it. So what was the assignment here? To work the garden and to take care of the garden. Now, a lot of people would believe that work was the result of the curse from eating the forbidden fruit, right? A lot of people might think that, that, that work was the curse of sin. But wait just a second here, because this was before the curse. This was before they ever took a, a bite of the forbidden fruit. This was before Adam and Eve had ever disobeyed God. So work was not a punishment, that was inflicted on Adam for his sin. It was a part of God's original design for man was that we would work and that we would be uh, created. It was his intent when he created us. God made Adam to be a gardener. And a gardener isn't a park ranger who just guards the garden, is it? All right? God put Adam there to develop it. He put him there to take the raw materials that God had created and given him and develop them Listen, for the glory of God, Amen. to do it for his glory and not only for the glory of God, but for the benefit of humankind, that they would take these things. God made, it, uh, uh, God made Adam in his image, right? We see that there in the early part of, uh, of Genesis, that God made man in his own image. And 12 different times in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, we are told that God made something God is a creator and, and so if God is the creator and Adam was made in the image of a creator then Adam would have been put in the garden to be God's co-creator right his partner in the business right do, do you you remember the word that God used when he created in Genesis, do you remember the word that he used after he created it? Remember what he said? This is, this is good, right? God would create it and he would say, this is good. And good is good. Amen. That was profound. Y'all missed this, didn't you? But I would argue that good is not perfect. Good is good, but, but good is not perfect. Perfect means that something can be improved upon, right? And, and God created the world in a raw but good state so that we could work at it, right? We could develop it and we could cultivate it. Why? For his glory and for other people's good. Now, maybe you can understand it like this, and I shared this in the early service, and I said, I'm not going to share this in the second service, but evidently some mouthy people out of the first service went and shared it with some people that are going to be in the second service, and so I'm just going to tell it anyway because I'm already in trouble. Uh, but I, maybe this will help you understand it a little better. When you guys see my wife, for those of you that know my wife, Lynette, you know she's perfect, right? Amen. I mean, she, she is always put together. Right? You, you have not seen my wife not put together. Her hair is always perfect. Her makeup is always perfect. Her clothes are always perfect. Right? 
And so, you know, she's, she's perfect in all those things. She can't be improved upon right now. Just look at her. She can't be improved upon. But when she got out of bed this morning, she was good. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Sometimes good can be improved upon. And there was a little improvement that needed to happen this morning when she got up. <laughs> Y'all say, I stay in trouble all the time. Because I'm just dumb enough to say these things that I think. But, but seriously, God created us. Think, think about it now. God created us to be gardeners. He created us to be workers. You know, we take the, the raw materials of the earth and we develop them for God's glory and we develop them for the benefit uh, of other people. Think about what contractors do. My dad was a contractor for years and years and years. Think about what they do. They take the sand of the earth, right? And they'll make it and they'll take it down there to Larry and them's plant and that they'll make concrete out of it so that they can pour a foundation uh, to build on. They, they, they take the, the iron and, and the metal and they take the wood from the trees and they take these raw things and they create these beautiful and strong buildings. Right? That, that's what an artist does. An artist takes raw materials. They'll take, you know, these colors or like we've seen this morning with these uh, musicians. They're, you know, they're artists and they take music and they create these beautiful things and they arrange them into art. And, and so what, what are we doing as we do this, as we build and we create and we do these things? In a way, God himself is at work, Right? God himself is at work uh, uh, within us, creating through us, building through us, using us for his glory, to serve others for his purpose. You know, the reformer Martin Luther, he took a psalm, Psalm 147 and verse 13 and 14. I'll put it on the screen for you this morning. It says this, for God strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of wheat. And then Luther asked the question. He said, how exactly does God do that? How does God make that happen? How does he strengthen the security of your city? Well, by using city planners and city leaders and architects and builders and, and, and politicians and judges who pass and enforce, you know, good laws that protect the citizens and the city. How does God bless the children among us, the children around us? Well, he does it through the work of teachers. He does it through the work of school employees and, and bus drivers and, and pediatricians. Right? How does he make peace in our borders? By the work of good policemen and again, good, judge, good judges and, and moms and dads that instill this in the hearts uh, of their children. How does God fill us with the finest of wheat? Well, he does it by the work of farmers and factory workers and, and, and grocers and restaurant owners. Luther went on to say it like this. He said, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we ask God to give us this day our daily bread. 
And he does give us our daily bread. He does it by means of the farmer who planted and harvested the grain, the baker who made the flour into bread, and the person who prepared our meal. All of these workers are in play when God answers our prayer for daily bread. And some of you totally get this because your job, you know, you get a sense of satisfaction from the work that you do. And I've heard people talk about their jobs before, their careers, and they would say, you know, this is what I was born to do. And there's no greater feeling than that, to be doing something that you know you were created to do, something that you love and you're passionate about. In fact, the word vocation comes from the Latin word voca, which means to call. It's a calling. Your vocation is how God designed you and called you to serve in this world that you live in. And some of you feel that, right? You feel like your work is what you were made uh, to do. Now, just to be clear here, one of the curses that resulted from the fall of, uh, of Adam and Eve was that work would become more difficult, right? And that it would be toilsome, the Bible talks about. God cursed the ground and, and said that thorns and thistles would, would frustrate our efforts, as we worked and so uh, work at some point is maybe not always that easy right sometimes work is uh, difficult sometimes work can even just be something that you do to survive and I believe that there are probably some of you here this morning that can relate to that as well because your work may not be fulfilling. Your work may be draining. Your work may be uh, difficult. Some of you may hate your job together uh, you know, hate your job altogether, and the only reason that you're doing it is just so that you can survive, right? And so if that's your job, or maybe if that's what school is like for you, some of you young people, unfortunately, at times, you know, my dad would say, sometimes you just got to suck it up, <laughs> right? Some, if that's your job, if that's what school is like for you, or whatever it is that you do those other six days, unfortunately, sometimes we just have to endure it. We have to just endure it to survive. But what do you do if that's your life? What do you do if that's what you feel like your, your life is? What do you do if you're in a job that's not fulfilling? What do you do if you're, you're, you're miserable every single day in, in what you do? Or maybe school uh, isn't just your cup of tea or, or, or you're staying home with the kids, to be honest, not because you're really that great of a mom, but because you can't afford daycare for five children, right? And so what do you do when you're in situations like that and you're just trying to get by every single day? Well, here's the deal. You can still do that faithfully, right? You can still do it faithfully as an act of service to God, as an act of worship to, to God. It's still helping someone. What you're doing is still helping someone and there can be, uh, you know, at least some pleasure found in something that you do. Right? And so here's something else. There might be a difference between your job and what you've actually been called to do. And we need to understand that and realize that as well. There may be a difference between your job and the calling that God has placed on your heart. For several years, I knew that ministry was my calling. But it wasn't, I wasn't in a situation at the time to where that could be my occupation. 
I knew that ministry was my calling, but I still had a secular job until a time came that the church was prepared to offer me a full-time uh, position and make that my vocation. Look at the Apostle Paul. His calling was to be what? An apostle. The apostle Paul's calling was to be an apostle to the Gentiles, but his work was making tents. All right? So, you know, he was making tents for, for other people to make money so that he could provide for his needs, you know, and that was part of his calling, but it was not the heart of his calling. Some people do other things, you know, just to, to free them up to do the main thing, their calling. And, and, and so, do you see what I'm trying to say here that this morning? If you're one of those rare people that are here today and, and you find a, a career that fits the calling of your heart from God, let me just tell you something, that's a blessing. Uh, that's a blessing. It's not a right. Uh, it, it's a blessing. Uh, and, and so the second thing that I want us to look at this morning as we begin this series together is this. If worship equals work and work equals worship, then our work should pursue excellence. Don't you think? I, I mean, you know, I, I know our staff gets sick of hearing this because in everything that we do, everything we talk about doing, I will say, pursue excellence. He's worth doing our best. Amen. <laughs> pursue excellence. Don't do it, you know, don't, don't, don't find some, you know, simpler, worse way to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. Do your best. Give your best. He gave his best for you. Amen. He gave his son for you. You won't give him your best. And so I believe that our work should pursue excellence in every single thing that we do. Because here's the deal. If our work is done for God, it should be done with the highest standards of excellence as an offering that we're giving him. Right? As an act of worship uh, to God. And I, I understand that some of you don't see your work as worship. But I'm praying that you will from this point forward. I want you to look at what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. Paul says this, Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. This right here should change every one of our attitudes about our job. All right? It, it should. This ought to change every one of our attitudes about going to school. This ought to change your attitude about what you do in retirement because we all know your work never really ends in retirement, right? And so what Paul is saying here is this. You have a higher boss than your employer. He wants you to get that and understand that. You have a higher boss, right? You have someone that is higher on the chain than the person that is employing you. We work for a greater reward than the paycheck, we work for a greater reward than the salary that we make or even, and this may get me in a little trouble with some parents, but even better, you know, it's a greater reward than even the grades you make, all right? Paul says in everything we do, we do it unto God, which means we do it 
Everything that we do, we do as a statement about our relationship with God. Think about that a second. Everything you do the other six days speaks about the relationship that you have with God. All right? And, and how worthy God is to receive our very best in everything we do. C.S. Lewis once talked about how the valleys in this world that had never even been viewed or never even been seen by human eyes. He said, even those valleys that have never been seen are still filled with beautiful flowers. And he said, for whom did God create that beauty if no human eyes would ever see it? And Lewis's answer was that God does some things only for his own pleasure. He sees even when no one else does. Listen, there are a lot of Christians that are making things and they're building things and they're serving other people's needs and they don't see it like they are doing it for God. But we are. As his children, we're doing it all for him. Whatever you do, you're doing it for him and for his glory. And a lot of the times we're doing it, think about this, no one else is even looking. Well, you know what? I can skimp on this just a little bit because the boss is not even here today. So I'll spend a few extra hours on the Facebook, right? Because no one's watching, no one's looking, and so, ah, we can let it go. He puts even the flowers in the valleys that no one ever sees. I think that is such a, a lesson uh, for us. And some of you would push back and say, I know some of you probably would come to me uh, even before we get out of here today and say, but Steve, you, you don't know what I have to put up with at work. <laughs> you know, I, I, I work for Satan himself, I'm pretty sure. Um, and, and so, you know, your boss may be horrible. I, I know that's hard. All right, I've had some jobs that I didn't enjoy going to. And I know that that can be difficult and it's hard to get motivated to walk into that environment every single day. But listen, you are not doing it for your boss. You're not doing it for him or her or the spawn of Satan that may sign your paycheck. You're not, you're not doing it for them. You do what you do. Why? For the glory of God, as if you're doing it unto him. And many of the people that Paul's talking to here in this passage of Scripture here, he's actually talking to slaves. They had a whole lot worse boss situation than any of you do because their boss owned them, right? Now, some of you may feel like that you are owned by your boss, but slaves were literally, were literally owned by them. They, they, they were slaves, and Paul says in the verse right before this, slaves, obey your masters, it's not how we are treated by our boss. It's not how much we enjoy the homework that they give us at school. It's not, you know, that, that what you're doing doesn't pay anything or doesn't pay enough. It's not those things that should motivate us in, in our lives. It's the fact that we are doing what we do for God. The other six days are so important in your life. Right? It's the fact that we are doing what we do for God, and that should be your motivation. That should be what motivates us every single day. Look at 1 Corinthians, and I'll close with this. 
<laughs> Shorter than that resolution. Hey, it's, it's looky, looky, dilly, dilly. First Corinthians chapter 10. I'm sorry, that's just funny to me. If you don't think that's funny, I'm sorry, but that's funny. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. And I referenced this at the beginning, but I, I, I just want you to see what Paul says. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't just do it on Sunday for the glory of God. He says, do it all for the glory of God. One of the things that should set us apart as Christians, when the world hears that we call ourselves a Christian or a follower of Jesus, one of the things that should set us apart as Christians in this world is that we do our work for the glory of God, right? And, and whether we eat or drink, whether we mop floors, whether we drive a truck, whether we write contracts, whether we dig a ditch, whether we're taking a spelling test, <laughs> kids, we do it all for the glory of God. And, and I just want to talk to the students for just a second. You know, a lot of students think that the only way to serve God and be a Christian uh, at school is by being involved in one of the Christian clubs uh, on campus or one of the Christian ministries on campus. And, and yes, I, I'm telling you, that's awesome. We're blessed to be able to live in a community and have a school district that allows us to do those kinds of things. And that's awesome if you're a part of that uh, and, and that you have an opportunity to, to be involved in those things. I strongly encourage that. But listen, listen to me. How well you do your schoolwork, how well you follow what your teachers are asking you to do, how well you do all of that is a bigger statement about who you are than anything else. It's a bigger statement about who you are as a follower of Jesus Christ. It's a much bigger statement about the glory of God. All right, and I get it. We're not all straight A students. <laughs> I get it, all right? I understand. But for all Christians, listen, we do what we do. We do it unto the Lord. We do it unto God. And a lot of Christians today think that their relationship with Jesus is all about what they do on Sunday. A lot of Christians today think that their Christianity is all about what they do on Sunday and we make this great sacrifice to go to church and listen to this ADHD guy, you know, try to share something. We think it's a, a big deal that we've gone to church on Sunday, but I would be willing to argue that your relationship with Jesus is really about what you do the other six days. There's 168 hours in a week. Some of you sleep a lot. That leaves about 110, 100 hours a week. The rest of the week that you're awake. If you go to church on Sunday and possibly even on Wednesday night, you're spending about two hours, two and a half hours max each week. That's less than 2% of your time that you're spending at church and a lot of Christians think that that is good enough. Two percent. And I'm good. Praise Jesus. 
2%. I believe that God wants to write on our hearts this morning that 2% is not good enough. Being a follower of Jesus isn't just about what we do on Sunday. It's about the other six days. And I look forward, you, you may not, I'm looking forward to the next few weeks as we unpack this a little more and, and uncover a little more about what God's word says to us about this because I can't wait to see what God's going to do in your life and, and my life, in your family, on your job, in your classroom. You know, the, the way you change how you view schoolwork may turn your grumpy teacher into the best teacher you ever had. I don't even know. I'm praying that for you. Uh, but anyway... But you know what? I, I just believe that God wants to do something great in us, and he will when we truly understand that the greatest impact that we can have on this world for Jesus Christ is done in the other six days. Let me pray for you.